Good morning. Good morning, good morning, good morning. It is difficult to get this up here, but I did. All right. I'm going to put it right here. I bet somebody will get it for me at some point. But it is good to see you guys back here again, a rocky start. Uh, if you're visiting or you're here for the first time, that doesn't usually happen. So, But we are super authentic, and we do stuff like that from time to time. And we're also really glad to have you here because this is the fifth week in our series called Rise Above It. And the whole reason we're doing this series, like we said every week, is because what we know is that what we do, the things that we do, the tendencies that we have, our inclinations, the habits that we develop, the things that we do over and over, over time, our attitudes, our actions, our emotions, the things that we put first, what we do over time ultimately determines who we become, that the what that we do ultimately determines the who that we become, and we all know this, we're all familiar with this, and we know how healthy habits help us become healthy people, and unhealthy habits cause us to become unhealthy people, whether it's spiritual, emotional, or physical, or relational health, that what we do ultimately determines, or, or yeah, what we do ultimately determines who we become. And like we've said over the past couple of weeks is we also know that this isn't all there is in the equation because there was that time when the what that we were doing wasn't causing us to become the who that we wanted to become. And so we changed the what or we tried to change the what because we didn't like the who that the what was causing us to become. But we found that the what wasn't that easy to change. In fact, as hard as we tried to change the what, it was like the what just didn't go anywhere. It was like we pushed and pushed against the what and it was like the what just didn't even budge, as if there was something, something more core to the problem than the what. And what we've said over the past couple weeks is that the thing that precedes it is something that we call perspective. And we made a case for this over the past couple weeks. And if you missed that, then check it out online to see like why perspective is so powerful. But we agreed that it's perspective that precedes what? It's our perspective of our situations, our perspective of our circumstances, our perspective, how we see our relationships, how we see um, the, the environments that we're in, how we interpret other people's actions. It's a perspective that ultimately determines what we do and who we become because perspective drives our behavior. It drives our values, it drives our emotions, it drives our physiology, and ultimately determines who we become. And that's why, like we've said over the past couple weeks, that's why the message throughout Jesus' teaching, throughout the New Testament, isn't that we're bad people that need to learn how to be good people. The problem isn't that we all have a, have a bunch of what problems. The problem is that we have perspective problems. And the whole point of Revelation and and what we read about in scripture, like the goal is not to just help us go from bad people to good people, but to give us a new perspective, a new understanding. It's that we're, we're people that have just been in darkness and we need light. We're people that have uh, been deceived and we need truth. We, people just have a misunderstanding, need a better understanding because it's all about perspective. And that's why throughout the New Testament, all the teachings of Jesus and, and through the letters and on, what you read over and over and over again are perspectives that are being addressed because it's the perspective that ultimately determines the what and ultimately determines the who. And as our perspective goes, so we go. And so through this series, through this series, we've been addressing different tendencies that all of us have. We haven't been singling anybody out. So if you're here for the first time, we're not going to single you out. These are tendencies or, or just habits or things that all of us tend to do, all of us tend to struggle with. And we've been tracing these tendencies back to the perspectives that they're derived from and addressing the perspective problem that all of us can tend to have from time to time. 
And to get into the perspective problem that we're going to talk about today, I just want to make a few observations up front. And the first is that I think most of us, most of us tend to live by the golden rule. Most of us tend to have this ethic of life that says, I will do unto you as I would have you do unto me. Like most of us, that's that's just how we function. Like I will do unto you as I would have you do unto me because that just makes sense. Here's the other observation I would make. The other observation I would make is that we assume that everybody else tends to live by that same ethic as well. That everybody else is walking around and they tend to live and do unto us as they would have us do unto them. And so what we tend to do is we tend to create this this, uh, assumed contract in our head where we live our lives with this assumption that as long as I do unto you as I would have you do unto me and you agree to do unto me as you would have me do unto you, then we can get along. And as long as everybody abides by the contract, everything goes well. Life is good. In fact, we don't really have any problems with anybody. There's no conflict as long as everybody abides by the contract. In fact, as long as everybody abides by the contract, life is pretty much perfect. But just in case, just in case anybody breaks the contract, we also tend to have this addendum that we throw in. And the addendum says, I will do unto you as long as, I will do unto you as I would have you do unto me, as long as, as long as you do unto me as I have done unto you. Otherwise, all bets are off. That's right. All bets are off. I will do unto you as I would have you do unto me. But if you double cross me or you stab me in the back, or you hurt me emotionally, or you cheat on me, or you lie to me, then all bets are off, and you owe me. And if you don't do unto me as I've done unto you, then I will do unto you as you have done unto me. Because what you have done unto me has changed the balance. It's changed the score. You've taken something from me. You've cost me something either emotionally or relationally or career-wise or financially. And now, now, because of what you chose to do unto me, now I'm going to get even. I'm going to get even. And it reflects this perspective that we have, this perspective that if somebody breaks the do-unto contract, if somebody breaks the do-unto contract, then it's my job to settle the score. It's my job to get back. Or it's my job to make sure what was taken from me or what was cost to me gets repaid, and I'm going to get even. Now, if we were all willing to be really, really honest this morning, we would agree that at some point or another, all of us have tended toward this. Because there was that time in your life, and there was that time in my life, where you did unto someone as you would have them do unto you, but then they did bad unto you, and they cost you something. They hurt you emotionally. They cost you something relationally. They cost you something at work, and you decided to leverage your positional advantage, your relational advantage, or your emotional advantage to get even with them. There was that time when you stayed late, and you gave up time with your family to get the project done, and somebody went behind your back and took credit for the project in your place. Or there was that time where you were going to go out of your way and do something for your spouse, something special for them that you don't usually do, and somehow what you did got misunderstood, and they misjudged your motives. Instead of being thankful for what you did, they accused you of something that you weren't even responsible for. Or there was that time when your parents didn't like what you were doing as a grown-up person who can make your own choices, but they didn't like your choices, so they tried to manipulate you emotionally 
to try to get you to do what they wanted you to do. And at some point along the way, you were like, no, we're not going to have any of that. And you undermined their career potential. You withdrew emotionally or, or you cut off yourself from them emotionally or relationally or you cut them out of your life or you carved them out of your life because they broke the contract. They caused you pain. They cost you something. And you were going to get even. Or maybe, maybe for some of us, this has just come to characterize the way that we communicate in some of our relationships, whether it's in your family, among siblings, or between um, with, with your husband or with your wife, your communication just re reflects this kind, this kind of attitude that I will talk to you as I would have you talk to me, but if you don't talk to me as I've talked to you, then I'm going to get even. And somewhere way back when, somebody said something to you that hurt your feelings, so you said something back to them to get even with them, and somehow the can got opened, the can got opened, and that's characterized your communication ever since. And if somebody walks into your house, all they hear is back and forth, tit for tat, getting even because somebody hurt somebody's feelings and somebody else is going to get even. And you've gotten numb to it. You don't even realize how toxic it is. Or maybe it wasn't even just a one-time thing that happened in your life. Maybe it was a long period of time kind of thing. Maybe it was because he was cheating or she was cheating for months and months. Maybe it was that job that you had with a supervisor who was so emotionally manipulative. Or maybe it was the childhood that you lost because your parents were so verbally abusive. And at some point, at some point, you vowed that you will make them feel what they made you feel. You will, you will make sure, because they broke the contract, you'll make sure that you get even with them. Here's the thing. Of course you did. Of course you are. Of course you have. Of course. They broke the contract. They were in the wrong. And nobody was coming along to make it right. Nobody was coming along to settle the score. Nobody was coming along to make sure that they learned from what they did, that, to learn that what they did wasn't okay. And if you stood up here and you told us your story and you told us what they did to you and we could hear from you what they did to you, we would say, of course you did. Of course you did. And of course the way that you responded, of course the way that you went back, of course that was fair. They deserved it, of course, of course you did. And if we'd been in your shoes, we might have probably done the exact same thing. But here's what we all know. We all know where this goes, right? Because we've seen it. We've seen it play out in other people's lives. And we've seen people who, who carry around scars and baggage from a relationship and something somebody did to them so long ago, and they haven't learned how to move on from it. And in none of their relationships ever since have they ever learned how to move on from scars and hurts. And all the small stings and slights that they get day in and day out just builds up that anger and that resentment and that bitterness. And you know them. You know these people are just ticking time bombs, walking around, waiting to go off. And you've seen the families. You've been around the families. You've been in the families that have such toxic communication where it's always back and forth and I have to get back at you and I'm going to say this to get even with you and it's so toxic that you can barely stand to be around it and we've seen the marriages where this has played out where husband and wife are just this constant battle to get the upper hand and to get back and to get even and to get ahead and we've seen it play out and we've seen the divorces and we've seen the custody disputes and we've seen the children to get pitted against parents and here's what I know about you is that you want something better than that you want to turn out better than that. You want to have a marriage that's better than that. You want to have a family that's better than that. And that's not how you want your story to end. And I know that the solution, the solution isn't what everybody so far has told you what the solution is, just to move on and forget about it because you tried that and it didn't work. And it didn't work because it's a what solution. The problem isn't a what problem. It's a perspective problem. What we need is a new perspective. 
happened, thankfully, thankfully, 2,000 years ago, one of the closest followers of Jesus, a first century Jew named Peter, wrote a letter to followers of Jesus in what is now Turkey. And he writes this letter to them, and he's addressing for them all of these practical issues. He's saying, this is what it looks like to be a follower of Jesus. You know, based on this perspective that I've got from walking with our Creator for three years, here's how you address these just daily practical kinds of issues. And he's addressing things like, here's what you do in this kind of work environment. And he's addressing, this is what you do in marriage. And this is how a husband should treat a wife, and how a wife should treat a husband. And then he gets to the point where he talks about, this is what you're supposed to do when you've done on two and they've done bad, back to you. So this is how you handle that. And the thing that's so helpful about his perspective is that it's not just, I, I was thinking about this and I think this is a good idea kind of perspective, but it's a, I walked with Jesus for three years and I learned from him in the days before his crucifixion. I sat and I ate with him and I listened to him in the days after his resurrection. And I have seen something so much bigger about life. And I am convinced because what I've seen with my own two eyes, that there is something that is so much more and so much bigger and so much more eternal than what we see in our day-to-day kinds of perspectives. Here's what Peter says. He says, finally, all of you live in harmony with one another. Be sympathetic, love as brothers, be compassionate and humble. And they're like, we're good with that. That's like, love your neighbor kind of stuff. That's like the golden rule kind of stuff. That's do unto kind of stuff. We're good to that. And we agreed that we will do unto others as they, as we would have them do unto us, as long as they do unto us as we've done unto them. And as long as everybody abides by the contract, we're all good. And Peter says, well, there's a little more. He says, and do not repay evil with evil or insult with insult. He said, I know that you're good with the golden rule stuff. I know that you do unto as you would have them do unto you. But I also know, I also know that you guys have an addendum that you guys, if somebody doesn't do unto you as you've done unto them, all bets are off. And I've been watching you and I've heard reports from you and I'm seeing this play out. He said, I'm telling you right now, it's time to remove the addendum. I get it. I get it. I know that they hurt you. I know that they caused you emotional pain. I know they cost you years that you are not going to get back. I know that they cost you financially. I know. I get it. I get it. I get it. And I know that this isn't fair. I know that what they did, they deserve repayment. And you deserve to get even. But listen, 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 Peter says. Listen, do not repay evil with evil or insult with insult. But instead... Instead, repay with blessing. And they would respond just like we respond today. Are you joking me? (laughs) Are you kidding? If you knew how long he'd been, if you knew how long she'd been cheating on me and lying to my face, you would not ask me return that with blessing. If you knew the kind of childhood that I had, if you knew the kind of environment I grew up in, how, how on earth could you ask me to do that? If you knew what he had said to me, if you knew how he humiliated me, if you knew how she had turned her back on me, if you knew what they did to me when I needed them most, how could you ask me to do that? How could you ask me to just repay it with blessing? What kind of answer 
to my struggles and my challenges and my hurt and my pain? What kind of answer is that? How do you expect me to do that? Why? Why would I do that? And Peter says, because to this you were called. To this you were called. To which they would say, what? To be a doormat? I've been called to be walked all over. I've been called to be taken advantage of. I've been called to be manipulated. I've been called to just let people do whatever they want to me and just let them off the hook. That's what I'm called to. And Peter would have said, look, 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 look. And he would have told him story after story after story after story. And he'd tell him a story about the one time when Jesus was speaking to this crowd of people. And he said, you've heard that it was said, an eye for an eye. And everybody started cheering because everybody knew an eye for an eye. And everybody loved an eye for an eye. And everybody was down with an eye for an eye. And Jesus said, but I say, listen, what I say is if somebody slaps you on one cheek, turn to them the other also. If somebody forces you to carry their bag one mile, carry it two miles. If somebody takes from you your cloak, give them your tunic as well. And the crowd got silent because nobody ever heard of that before and Peter said that's right because to this we were called and he would have told him about the time that Jesus told the story of the king and the king who went out to <sighs> makes it sound special doesn't it <laughs> the time that the king went out to <laughs> this is an interesting morning uh, <laughs> He would have told him about the time that the king went out to settle the debts that his servants owed him. So he found the servant that owed him this huge debt, and he demanded the servant pay back the debt. And the servant said, I could never pay that back because the debt, it was a debt that was bigger than the servant would ever be able to pay back in his whole lifetime. And the king said, well, I'm going to take your wife, and I'm going to take your children, and I'm going to sell them into slavery. And the servant just begged and begged and begged. For the, for the king's forgiveness. And the king had mercy on him and forgave him the debt. And how the servant went out and then found another servant who owed him money. And so he started strangling him and told him to pay back his debt. And the guy couldn't pay back the debt, so he had him thrown in prison. And another servant went back and told the king and said, remember that guy whose debt you forgave? Well, he went out and had somebody thrown in prison because they couldn't repay their debt. And the king called the servant in. He's like, what is your deal? What is wrong with you? After I canceled all of your debt... How could you? How could you have the audacity to go out and hold somebody else's debt against them? After the grace I gave you, how could you not forgive your fellow servants debt? And Peter would have said, because to this we've been called. And then he would have gotten distant and wistful and leaned in. And he would have said, then there was the time that Jesus was arrested. And I had just shot off my mouth about how I would never leave him, and I would never walk away from him, and I would never abandon him, and if I had to die with him, I would die with him. But then he was on trial, and I got scared. And somebody turned to me and said, aren't you one of his followers? And I didn't know what else to do. I didn't know what else to say, and I denied it. After all that he'd done for me, after all that he'd called me out of, after everything that he'd taught me out of, all the time that he gave me and spent with me, I turned my back on him. And then how, how Peter the next day watched him nailed to a cross and then forgive the people that put him there. And how he hung on that cross knowing every choice 
each and every single one of us would ever make, knowing all the hurts and the pains that we would cause other people, whether intentionally or unintentionally, about how we would turn our back on him and we would walk away from him. He knew it all, every single choice, and how Jesus chose the cross and to forgive all of it. And how after Jesus' resurrection, Jesus sought out Peter. Peter would have pulled everybody in. So he, he pulled me aside. After all he'd done for me and after how I'd turned on him, he pulled me aside and restored me and forgave me. This is grace. It's not fair. It is not what we deserve. But it's what we need. It's what we crave. It's what we long for. It's what God gives to his children so freely. And Peter would have said, this is grace. And to this, we've been called. Because what we need at the end of the day, what we need, 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 is not to get even, but to forgive as we've been forgiven. Peter's saying, look, I know I know what you want us to get even. I know that you feel like there's something that's broken. There's something that's hurting. There's something that's disturbed and upset and angry in you. Of course there is. And you think that getting even is going to satisfy it. It's going to restore peace. It's going to restore the balance. I know that you think this is going to fix the problem. It's not. It's not. It never will. What you need is to forgive, not forgive because I say so, not forgive because the Bible says so, not forgive because you're a good person, that's what good people do, but forgive because you've been forgiven. And then Peter says, because to this you were called so that, in order that, so that you may inherit a blessing. You know, we tend to think that, that forgiveness is for the benefit of the person who's being forgiven. Peter said, no, 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 no. Forgiveness is for you. Because as long as you hold that person in unforgiveness, as long as you seek to get even, as long as you hold on to that anger and that bitterness and that rage and you plot and you plan and you stew about how you can get back and how you can get even and the pain that you can reinflict on them, who suffers? We do. It's like that old saying, Holding someone in unforgiveness is like drinking poison and hoping the other person dies. It does not hurt them. It only hurts us. And as long as we stay in that place of, I will make this person feel what they made me feel. I'm going to get even with them. We're destroying ourselves. Not only that, not only that, whatever we feel they owe us, whatever we feel that we need to get back from them, even if they wanted to, they couldn't give it back to us. Whatever it is we've lost is gone. We're not getting it back. And as long as we seek repayment, we're seeking repayment for something that's not coming back to us. And so Peter says, Peter says, you want to inherit a blessing? You want to find peace? You want to find freedom? You want to be happy again? What you need is not to get even but to forgive as you, as I, as we've been forgiven. And I think when we find ourselves in those places, those places where we just, we've been hurt so bad, 
And what somebody has done to us isn't fair. And what they've taken from us, we're never going to get back. And we just feel that, that urge to settle the score, to let them know how much this hurt us, to let them know how much it cost us, to try to get even in some way. I think there are three questions that we should ask ourselves. And I think the first one is, where am I seeking my value? Where am I seeking my value in this? One of the things that happens to me with uh, probably more regularity than, than maybe it's safe to is, you know, we'll be out hiking or walking around downtown or something, and I'll just hear, you know, this voice that says, hey, Dad, catch me. And I'll turn around just in time to see the 50-pound ball of flesh that is my 7-year-old son flying through the air at me, like just expecting me to turn around and just automatically catch him, which I do. And he's always like, great catch, Dad. I'm like, glad you didn't die, son. And and he just he just trusts me like that. He's just He'll just jump off of something. If I'm anywhere in the vicinity, he'll just, Dad, catch me. And so far, so good. Um, so far, so good. I catch him every time. I haven't let him down yet. And I, I'm sure that if I ever did let him down, he would look up at me and be like, what is your deal? You know, like I told you that I was coming. You, you saw me flying through the air. Like, how could you let me down? Because I can catch him. So like, there's no excuse for me letting him down. But here's what you never hear when we're out like hiking or walking around somewhere. You never hear me flying through the air yelling, Liam, catch me. Right? Because it's never going to end well. Even if he had tons of time to prepare for it and steady himself and ready himself, my seven-year-old son isn't going to catch me. I'm going to squash him flat every single time. And how ridiculous would it be for me to get up and dust myself off and say, how could you? What is wrong with you? Why didn't you catch me? Because his response would just be, why would you expect me to? I could never, ever, 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 ever hold you up. And I think those times when the people who are closest to us hurt us the most deeply, it's often because we expect something from them that they can never, 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 never give us. And when they let us down, instead of saying, of course you did, we say, how could you? You were, I was, created to find our value our significance, our worth, our identity, our affirmation, and the eyes of our Heavenly Father. He loves us perfectly. He loves us unconditionally. We will not find that love in anybody else. And if we try to, we're going to crush that person because they can't bear the weight of it. And I think when we find ourselves in those places where, where someone close to us has let us down significantly, I think we need to take those times and take a step back and say, was I seeking my value in a place that I never should have been? Am I hurt from this because I was seeking my value for my spouse or I was seeking my value for my coworker or from a friend or for my supervisor? Was I seeking my value from a place that I never should have been looking for it? The other question I think we need to ask ourselves is, what do I feel I'm owed? What do I feel owed? I think it's so important to think of forgiveness in terms of debt because the New Testament constantly talks about forgiveness in terms of debt. And I think it's so helpful for those of us who are struggling with letting go of things to sit down and get really concrete about what do I feel like I'm owed? Because when someone wrongs us, 
we always, always, always have the sense that something has been taken away from us, whether it's trust or the truth or a relationship or our sense of dignity. Whatever it is, there's always a sense of loss, and it is so helpful to sit down and just write out, this is what this person has taken from me. This is what they owe me. Because until you know what they owe, you can't forgive the debt. You can't forgive the debt until you know what they owe. So I encourage you, if, if this is something that you struggle with, identify what is it that you feel owed, and then ask yourself, am I willing to forgive the debt? Because as long as we hold that person in unforgiveness, as long as we stay angry at that person, as long as we let that, that anger and unforgiveness control us and we seek to get even, we're seeking repayment for a debt that you're never going to get repayment for. Because whatever it was that was taken from you, you're not getting it back. Even if that person wanted to get it back to you, they can't. It's gone. So would you be willing, not for their sake, but for your sake, for your freedom, for your joy, for your peace, would you be willing to sit down and identify, this is what I'm owed, and forgive the debt? And when you find yourself later in life stumbling across that pain, stumbling across that hurt, when you find it triggered again, refuse to pick up the debt. Refuse to seek repayment for that debt ever again. Cancel it. A lot of people will say forgive and forget. We know you can't forget. And just because you forgive somebody doesn't mean that you restore relationship with that person. Because there are times and there are people where we just have to draw healthy boundaries around us. Where someone's hurt us and we should not, rightfully should not, open ourselves up to be hurt emotionally or relationally or financially by that person again. And so just because we forgive somebody doesn't mean that we're restored. It doesn't mean that we're reconciled. It doesn't mean that we're opening ourselves up to be hurt by that person again. But it means I am no longer going to seek repayment for this debt. And we also need to ask ourselves, how do I want it to end? How do I want this to end? When I'm at the end of my life looking back on it, what kind of story do I want to be able to tell about this? In 2007, Chris Williams was driving home after a night out with his wife and his 9, 11-year-old daughters. And they were headed home. And also that night, Cameron White was headed home from a party where he'd been drinking. And they were coming along the same stretch of highway, and Cameron White, who was drunk, crossed over the center line hit Chris Williams and his family. When Chris Williams came, regained consciousness, he was able to quickly assess the scene and realized that in that moment, he'd lost his wife and two daughters. And as a follower of Christ, of course he felt the pain, of course he felt the hurt, but he also felt the weight that he knew he was going to some way, somehow have to forgive figure out how to forgive whoever caused this horrific accident. Lying in his hospital bed, he found out who was responsible for it. It was a 17-year-old boy who'd been out drinking and was still alive and was at the detention facility. And Chris Williams, in that hospital bed, thought about, how do I want to look back on this situation at the end of my life? Do I want to look back and know 
that I settled the score? Do I want to look back and know that I got even? Do I want to look back and have the thing that stands out to me is the knowledge that I, I got even and he got what he deserved? Or is there something better? And he decided there was. And he decided that as soon as he could get out of the hospital, he was going to go to the detention facility and forgive Cameron White for what he had done. Because from Chris Williams' perspective, three lives had already been lost and there wasn't any need to ruin a fourth. And it broke his heart to think that this 17-year-old's life could be ruined by carrying around the shame and the guilt and the regret for the rest of his life. And he wanted to see him freed from that. If transformation could result from that, if transformation could grow out of that, he wanted to see to it that he did everything within his power to make sure it happened. So he went to the detention facility and he looked into the eyes of the person who killed his wife and daughters and he canceled the debt. And now, now they do ministry together, bringing awareness to the perils of drunk driving. And not only has the life of Cameron White been transformed, but they're out transforming other lives through their ministry. And I want you to ask yourself, fast forward to the end of your life. I know it wasn't fair what happened to you. I know that it wasn't okay. I get it. I get it. But as you look back on your life from the end, how do you want to see that story end? Do you really want to know that you got even every single time but never have experienced intimacy in your marriage? Do you want to know that you caused your parents to feel the pain that they caused you to feel but never see your children have a relationship with their grandparents? Do you want to know that you got even every single time with every single person who wronged you but never get to look back and see the transformation that would come out of the forgiveness that could come through you. And instead of leaving a wake of, of hurt and pain from the anger and bitterness that you've experienced and felt your whole life, to be able to look back over your life and see in your wake healing and transformation of the lives of people who had once wronged you and see the transformation that could come out of their lives. How do you want the story to end? And if you want it to end well, if you want it to end with transformation, what is that going to require from you? What is that going to take from you? Maybe, just maybe, it's going to require from you the same thing that you've required from God to move on from your hurts and your wrongs and your pains and the mistakes and missteps that you've made. Maybe they'll require the same grace from you that you receive freely from your heavenly Father. Maybe what you need is not to get even, but to forgive as we've been, as I've been, as you've been forgiven. We're going to close out with one last song this morning. And the song is called It Is Well. And in this song, the lyrics say, let go my soul and trust in him. It is well, it is well with my soul. And here's what I'm convinced of. There's some of us who've walked in here this morning and we're holding on 
to so much pain and so much hurt and so much anger and so much bitterness from things that people did to us, things that people did when we relied on them, when we needed them. And they let us down and they took advantage of us and they hurt us and they manipulated us. We're still carrying around the pain from that. And I think your heavenly father and mine wants to invite us into a place this morning where we can finally, finally let go of it. To cancel the debt that is never gonna be repaid. To set ourselves free from the anger and the bitterness and to create the circumstances where maybe, just maybe, God can do something through the grace that you would give. I'm telling you, I'm telling you, make this song your anthem. Let go, let go. Life is too short. God's plans are too big to continue to hold on to this stuff. So I encourage you to sing with us, to let go, because you believe and you know that it will be well with your soul.